0: This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, everybody, to the Skeptical Skeptics Podcast. I'm RD Metzger.
1: And I'm Rachel Metzger.
0: And this is episode 65. And we are really... Regretful that we didn't do this. earlier. <laughs> We're speaking to you mere hours before this comes out.
1: Yeah, RJ didn't plan
0: well. Now, hey, your mom was here all weekend. She sleeps in my office What? like we can't do it.
1: Also, we could have done it last night, but you had a paper to write.
0: Yeah, I had a paper to write. So still your fault. My job involves writing papers. It's pretty rough,
1: but it makes me feel like it's
0: college again. It is kind of like college again, because I end up working late into the night to get my paper turned in. You know what isn't like college, though? Mm. I get. Very, very small amounts of time to know I have a paper due. Oh. Unlike college. And normally in college you have lots of time. You don't. You don't do it. That you don't use. And then you cram all yeah. of it in one night. No, for me crying. it was like, can you get this paper done by Monday? And he told me that Friday at like five, so.
1: How long was the paper?
0: 21 pages.
1: Oh yeah, that's pretty rough. <laughs> all right.
0: I had a lot of it already done. Anyway, um, so. This week in the news, we've got a ghost caught on video. Oh, snap. That a police officer was chasing. What? Yeah. Residents of Mentor, Ohio, have recently been a buzz about sightings and, a vid- and video evidence of a mysterious ghostly little figure scampering around. Apparently, a police officer even spotted that apparent apparition. At 1040 p.m. one evening, police responded to a citizen's report of a seven-year-old girl running around alone near an elementary school. From WKYC, quote, I was surprised by what I saw. The person appeared to be a small child running rather erect and too quickly for a child. End quote. The police report says when the officer got out of the vehicle to try and catch the child, nobody was in the area. The officer continued along the building, expecting to see a child crying or scared, but still no signs of anyone. Multiple other departments were searching the area and had no luck finding a child. After the search, the responding officer checked the dash cam video and found no child on the dash cam video, which was saved as a, quote, investigative encounter. Shortly after trying to find the child on foot and the use of K9, the drone team was deployed to search the responding area and did not locate anything suspicious. However, nearby CCTV cameras did catch a ghostly child. I will link to the video. I'm going to watch it. I can't. Well, we can do it on mobile. My audio software (laughs) 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 my audio software doesn't allow videos to play when we're recording so stupid Mm, it's
1: pretty smart that's dumb
0: Mm, it's pretty smart nope all right we're gonna watch the video i will link it in the liner notes so what do you think about that rach
1: i mean it's either a really fast toddler or a ghost i don't know it's translucent I mean, on CT, CCTV and that far away, that was, that
0: was really that's crystal clear CCTV. That's not like, OK, that's not I your, don't think there's that's such thing. not your average potato camera. Or whatever. It's a ghost. Anyway, OK, ghosts confirmed. I
1: just want to the only thing, the thing that's convincing me more than that is the fact that like that thing's the size of coal and he could not run that fast to save no. his life. Coal. no. <laughs> no.
0: In the distance between me and Rachel right now, which is roughly two and a half feet, it would take Cole six steps. Yeah, probably. Yeah, seriously. Anyway, um, so we've confirmed aliens and now we've confirmed ghosts.
1: I'm just glad this isn't about aliens. I think this is the first in the news not about aliens in a while. It was
0: almost about aliens.
1: Oh, my gosh. Well, but this
0: is too compelling. That's a good one. Yeah, I thought so. Anyway, I'm talking about a potential time slip. Ooh. You're
1: up. You guys didn't get to see, but he put his arms up in the air when he said that for some reason. I wiggled it
0: as though I were an wiggled airman.
1: he wiggled them? You know, what's the airman? I don't know what he's called. Ooh. That <laughs> <laughs> guy. <laughs> <laughs> we sounded more like ghosts. Yeah. But you know, that's what the of, Outside of like. car places. Yeah. Okay. I am talking about LaVoyzen or Catherine Monvoisin. Also in this, I will be talking about the affair of the poisons. Have you ever heard of that? Nope. Maybe. Right. Well, I you know how it is. About to hear an interesting story. So, um, born in 1640 in France as Catherine Dechaise, that's literally all we know about her until she got married to Antoine Mano, I already said it, Monvoisin, sorry, who was a jeweler and silk merchant with his own shop at Pont Marie in Paris. I What's have up? to pause you real quick. Why?
0: You look beautiful.
1: Oh.
0: I love you. All right, continue. I love you.
1: Um I also want to preface this. I know I do this almost every time I have to do these things, but I'm going to have to say a whole lot of French names. So prepare it's not gonna yourself. Get, not going to end well. We're going to be in this together. Um, so um, Anton, Anton's, Anton, Anton's business didn't go great, and they ended up going bankrupt. So um, Catherine was like uh, boss and decided to create her own business. Should I bleep that word? I don't know. Decide for yourself. I'll bleep it. Okay. Uh, she decided to make her own business of performing chiromancy. Do you know what that is? Palm no. reading. Oh. Um, and also face reading. I've mm. never heard of face reading before.
0: I read people's faces all day.
1: <laughs> um, In a fortune teller atmosphere. I don't know what that means, but okay. Um. So she believed to be given gifts from God to see the future. She was taught at nine years old how to fortune tell. And when her husband lost his business, he decided to start doing it for profit. Um, in 1665 or 1666, this is one of my favorite parts of this whole story. Her divination was questioned by the congregation of the mission at St. Vincent de Paul's order. And she was called for questioning. Um, but she defended herself successfully before the professors at Sorbonne University and was allowed to continue her business as a fortune teller. I want to know so bad how she she proved it and what she did. I just think that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so not only was she a fortune teller, but she was also a midwife. Um, so at first she would help bring babies into the world, but eventually started to perform illegal abortions. Um, She had many women who worked under her to perform these and would take, she would refer pregnant women to these other women and then take a very large fee from them. Uh, So she had, yeah, so she had her fortunes and she also had abortions. And then... um And
0: midwifing, right?
1: And midwifing. I think she pretty much gave up on midwifing eventually. Um, just did
0: abortions, okay.
1: Uh, but it was also stated by one of the women, sorry, trigger warning, this is unpleasant, so... Fast forward the next you yeah, like,
0: yeah, Trigger warnings, you have to give like a, what is it, graphic,
1: um, sexual? No, it's, it's, uh... Abortions? M- yeah.
0: Well, yeah, there you go. Trigger warning. Trigger warning. Uh,
1: but like a little different. But either way, if you don't like, if you if this will make you upset, skip the next like 30 seconds. not that long. Um, it was actually stated by one of the women later on that worked for her that when women would have late term abortions, the Le- would burn them in a furnace in her home and then bury them in her garden. This was never proven, though. Um, also, obviously, her fortune teller name was Lavoisin, Her real name was Catherine, but she went by Lavoisin, which is a pretty cool fortune teller. Did you name. look
0: up what that means?
1: No. All right. Well, her last name is Mono- Monvoisin, So I'm assuming she just said LaVoizen. Just took part of her last name. Mean anything. Anyways. um. Okay, so she started out obviously just fortune telling and then also doing the abortions. She eventually turned um, that into manufacturing and selling magic objects like crystals, amulets, all that good stuff. And then also um, poisons. She went farther into poisons and then she started arranging black masses, um, which is a ceremony normally celebrated by satanic groups and also selling aphrodisiacs and uh, potions. So uh, she'd create aphrodisiacs for people who wanted to fall in love. So basically she realized in the middle of being a fortune teller that most people come to you, either they want someone to fall in love with them. They want um, an old person in their family to die so that they can inherit money, or they want the person they're with to die so that they can be with someone else. Because at the time divorce wasn't really an option. Um, So she focused mostly on aphrodisiacs to get people to fall in love with other people or also poisons for people who wanted other people dead. She learned um, the art of poison pretty young in life and had a pretty good way of, murdering people um the black masses were also done for a price in order for a client to pray to satan for their wish to come true i'm assuming most of these ones were when you wanted someone dead or other bad things um during some of these masses a woman performed as an altar where she would lay naked which a priest would do weird things to her that's pretty much all it said and a bowl was placed a baby was then held above the bowl again this is bad and the blood from it, was poured into the bowl. They would slit its neck and do that. Whether the baby in question was actually killed on occasion, or whether the baby was already dead by natural causes, such as being stillborn, could vary. These people suck. Yeah, Lavoisin wasn't good. Anyways, um... So, by the late 1660s, Lavoisin was an extremely wealthy and popular fortune teller who worked with the highest um... aristocracy? Aristocracy?
0: Aristocracy.
1: Aristocracy... Aristocracy. We'll let you say it. Of France. There were a bunch of French names, but they didn't mean anything to me. It was just all the bougie big people in France at the time. Um, she supported a family of six with these jobs, including her mother, husband, and children. Uh, she was also known to have at least six lovers other than her husband. Some of these were the people that worked with her um in her black magic stuff. And then also she was uh known to be an alcoholic. Okay, so here's where we go into what is called um the affair of the poisons. So her most important client was Madame de Montespan, um, which was the official royal mistress to King uh Louis what is it Louis King Louis X1 X and then I and then V. What is that?
0: King Louis the Fourth. Huh? I mean sorry, King King's? Louis the Fourteenth. I think
1: like, that's way too many. Or wait, wait, King or just Louis mm-hmm. the Fourteenth? King.
0: King Louis the Fourteenth.
1: The fourteenth of France. Um Their contact was often performed through the companion of Montespan, Claude de Vindes Elliott. Sure. Montespan was alleged to have hired Lavoisin in 1667 to arrange a black mass. This mass was celebrated in a house. um, Adam, two people you don't care about. Adam Lesage and Abby Moret officiated while Montespan prayed to win the love of the king. The same year, Montespan became the official mistress of the king. So like, it worked. She did a black mass murdered a baby, got the king to love her again. Um, and after this, she employed Lavoisin whenever a problem occurred in her relationship with the king. Cause you know, it came true according to her. So in, in 1673, when the king seemed to be getting bored with her. So Montespan again employed Lavoisin, who provided a series of black masses. Um, and on at least one occasion, Montes- Montespan herself acted as the human altar during the mass Lavoisin also provided um, Montespan with an aphrodisiac, which she used to drug the king. Uh, In 1667, Montespan told the king that if he ever abandoned her, she would have him killed. Uh, He clearly did not care because the king entered into a relationship with Angelique de Fontenguise. Okay, never mind. Sure. In
0: 1697,
1: so it was two years later. Um, Montespan called for Lavoisin and asked her to have both the king and Fontanges killed. Can,
0: can I look at it?
1: It's F-O-N-T-A-N-G-E-S.
0: Fontaine? Fontaine?
1: No, but there's an E-S at the end.
0: It's silent
1: in French? But there isn't the little, like, thing over it. Fontaine,
0: okay. I'm pretty sure.
1: <laughs> okay, to have the king and her killed. Uh, Lavoisin hesitated at first, but eventually agreed. Uh, so she went to her the house of her colleague, Catherine Trinon. Um, Lavoisin constructed a plan to kill the king together with some of the other poisoners she had worked with. The group decided to murder the king by poisoning a petition to be delivered to his own hands. Um, that's the end of a sentence. I just said it really weird. Anyways. So... <laughs> uh, <laughs> On March 5th of 1967, Lavoison visited the Royal Court in St. Germain to deliver the petition. That day, however, there were a bunch of petitioners and the king didn't actually take it. So, foiled. So, upon her um, return home to Paris, she m- made plans to visit Catherine on the one she worked with before, uh, after she went to Mass that week, to plan the next murder attempt again, like to try again. Um... Right around that time, the king's sister-in-law died, the Duchess D'Orleans, um, and people believed it was attributed to poison. There was no official proof that it was, but that kind of brought poison into the limelight and made people realize how um, abundant it was at the time in France. Um, around the exact same time a riot took place where people accused witches of abducting children for the black masses, I wonder why, and priests reported that a growing number of people were confessing to poisoning in their confessions. So in 1677, the fortune teller Magdalene de Lagrange was arrested for poisoning and claimed that she had information about crimes of a high of high importance. The arrest of the successful fortune teller and poisoner Marie Boas, who had a huge feud with our girl Voisin, And then also another woman named Marie. What does the AUX sound say in it in French? Oh. at the end, like oh, uh-huh. ah, uh-huh. so Vigorat.
0: yeah,
1: uh, Marie vigorat in I'm really not
0: certain about any of this but in
1: january 17- seventeen <laughs> you have it better than me, I would have said it, so in January of seventeen sixty nine made the police aware that there was a network of fortune tellers in Paris who sold poison. Um, so on March 12th, 1967, Lavoisin was arrested 1967? outside. Hmm,
0: 1679. There it is. That was. Way
1: off. Woo, that was full they dyslexia. had the one
0: in the right spot. <laughs>
1: Messed all the rest of it up. Uh, so Lavoisin was arrested outside her church, right? She was literally like headed to her meeting with Catherine mm. to talk about murdering the king again. Um, so in April 1679, a commission appointed to inquire into the subject and to prosecute the offenders met for the first time. Lavoisin was imprisoned at Vincennes, where she was subjected to questioning. On 27th, I hate how they write this. On December 27th, 1967, um, Louis XIV issued an order that the whole network should be exterminated by all methods, regardless of the rank, sex, or age. The arrest of Lavoisin was followed by the arrest of her daughter and the rest of her entire network and associates. Um, Lavoisin was never tortured, although an order was issued giving, like, specific permission to use torture— it was then made clear not to use it. And many think that the reason why was because if they tortured her, she would have given the names of like everyone up in the higher ups and everyone would have gotten murdered. And people obviously didn't She was want Epstein
0: that. before Epstein was Epstein.
1: Exactly. So people didn't want that. So they, so pretty much there was no proof that anyone ever, like the few people that, that said they went and visited her in prison. She was perfectly healthy and completely fine. And like, yeah. So also aware of her alcoholism, they kept her, um, they didn't limit her, alcohol, and they kept her drunk during all of the investigations, which I think is a great idea. I think that's a great way to get information out of someone. Um, in March, she did name Marguerite LeFron and François de Drew as clients who I were high-up people. And on the 10th of October, she admitted having sold poison and magical services to several members of the royal court. She also described the development of her career. The poison denied ever meeting or serving Montespan. She did admit that, quote, Paris is full of this kind of thing, and there is an infinite number of people engaged in this evil trade, end quote, but refused in, refused to mention further clients, nor did she mention having arranged or participated in black masses. She also mentioned to the guards that the question she feared most was that um, they would ask her about her visits to the royal court. It is likely that she was referring to Montespan as her client and her attempts to murdering the king, obviously, and that she feared that it would result in her execution. Her list of clients, the arrangement of the Black Mass, her connection to Montespan, and the murder attempt on the king were not revealed until after her death. Um, She also denied claims of using her oven to burn the bones of aborted infants that were too large for the grave area in her garden. She also counterclaimed any usage of poisons and that she only possessed purgatives for personal use or for her family, even though literally before she said that she did make poison. Um, On February 17th, 1680, her birthday yep lavoisin was put on trial and convicted of witchcraft to execution by burning two days later lavoisin was executed in public on the place de grave de grave whatever in paris on the 22nd of february 19th i'll figure it out eventually 1680 on her way to the execution she reportedly pushed away the priest and was fastened on the stake she desperately pushed away the hay which was piled up around her in July, her daughter her daughter, Margaret Monvoisin, revealed her connection to Montespan, which was confirmed by the statements of the other accused. This caused the monarch to eventually close the investigation, seal the testimonies, and place the remaining accused outside the public justice system by imprisoning them under a letter de cachet. Do you know what that is? So, uh, they were letters signed by the King of France, countersigned by one of his ministers, and closed with a royal seal. They contained orders directly from the king, often to enforce arbitrary actions and judgments that could not be appealed. Um, so, Montespan was n- never convicted of this crime and lived to be 65, dying of old age, even though it was, like, known. And, yeah, they never convicted her. In um, this whole thing, the affair, uh, there was over 300 people who were arrested and 36 and murdered. Or killed, not murdered, I guess. Is it considered murder if they are getting executed? Whatever. Sure. Um, executed. <laughs> there you go. It is believed that she, Lavoisin, was involved in the murders of between 1,000 and 2,500 people. Jeez. Yeah. And I got my information from Ancient Origins, Party Like It's 1660, and the British Museum.
0: That's pretty epic.
1: I know. Because, like, was she a witch? I don't know. Was she terrible? Yes.
0: Yeah, but I mean, dang, that's a pretty amazing rise to power.
1: Yeah, well, because I I was looking up, I like looking at the witch stories, but a lot of times the only reason someone is considered a witch is because people think they were when they were alive. They're already dead and then they bring up their uh, body and it's like fine and it's in perfect condition. And that's the whole like they were doing their quotes there. Yeah. Um, Same with vampires. It's the same kind of thing. Yeah. So it was interesting to actually hear one of like, she did. She, she inter- was an awful
0: person. yeah. Well,
1: not that, but she did things that are conductive with witchcraft. Like, I mean, the Black Mass where Montspan was like, make my husband love me again. Yeah. And suddenly he was like. And it worked. I like you. Yeah, what smells. was that? Was that witchcraft?
0: Maybe it just gave her the confidence to, you know, flaunt it or something.
1: Having newborn baby blood on you, I guess, does that.
0: I wouldn't know. And it's awful.
1: <laughs> yeah, she's. Lavoisin was bad. Yeah. It was rough.
0: It is interesting to see one that would, that actually had evil intent rather than just like, oh, you're a female that can do math. You must be a witch, you know? Well,
1: also, or one that was just like, oh, you are, you do small things. Like, oh, you fortune tell and you sell those, right. that stuff, but you don't really do no, anything else. Like, like
0: a massive med- was doing, like, of awfulness. She was doing
1: like satanic rituals and murdering yeah. people. And like and,
0: legitimately changing power dynamics. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty nice. And
1: she was like really influential too. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. Great story. Thanks, I thought so. All right, break time. Okay.
0: All right, so I'm talking about the Hamburg time slip. Here's the deal I may have talked about this before. <laughs> Another thing I'm gonna mention. I may have talked about before as well, but I'm not certain. I don't know. Oh, and I don't think it would have been like an impassing thing. But this is like that. I don't think I have. I, I've heard of it. I'm not going to go back through the episode log to figure out if I was, i don't think I have. Though. Respect. I, don't, I don't think you've heard of it. So in 1932, a newspaper reporter named J. Bernard Hutton and a photographer named. And this is now I'm in your ranks. I do not know how to say this name. Joachim, I think, J O A C H I M. Yeah, like Joachim Phoenix. No, C H I M. Jo- oh. Joachim, I think, or Quashim, I don't know. Brandt were assigned to a feature story in, ha- to do a feature story on the Hamburg, Germany shipyard. Okay. They drove to the huge complex, interviewed several executives and workers, and completed the assignment by late afternoon. After Hutton had gathered enough information for his story and Brandt had taken a few photos, um, the two men were walking to the shipyard exit gate when they heard something overhead. It was a very familiar droning sound of an aircraft, which quickly became louder. And as Hutton and Brandt looked skyward, they didn't see one or even a couple of airplanes, but a massive armada of British RAF bombers, the likes of which had never been seen before. Moments later, the area was a raging inferno as fuel tanks were hit, warehouses were collapsing from high explosives and dock cranes were twisted into pretzels. Hutton and Brandt, uh, Brandt realized that this was no drill and they rushed to the car um, as anti-aircraft gunners began scoring hits on the bomber formation overhead. At the gate, Hutton asked a security guard if there was anything they could do to help, but was told to leave the area immediately. Hmm. As the two men ran towards the shipyard gates and hopefully towards safety, Brandt took a rapid series of photos of the incredible event. OK, Hutton and Brant. which, by the way, I mean, this is 10 years before World War Two. Right. Right. Hutton and Brandt did manage to escape the shipyard inferno and Hutton and they were uh, but they were confused when they drove into Hamburg um, away from the shipyard. The sky that had turned black during the attack was now clear and the city was serene. The busy streets were not indented with craters and the buildings were intact and no one seemed concerned as they went about their daily business. Hutton and Brant stopped the car and looked back towards the shipyard and they received another shock because they saw no black ribbons of smoke rising into the sky and no damaged buildings. Soon they made their way back to the newspaper offices and the two men related what had happened to co-workers and the newspaper editor And the reaction they received was total disbelief. uh, Brant was certain that the photos would prove they weren't crazy. However, Brant's photos showed nothing um, of note. And a quick call by the editor to the shipyard cleared up that there was no bombing in Hamburg that day. There were no RAF planes at all. And it was a normal day in every single way. Hutton and Brant were promptly fired from this event. (laughs) What happened next to Brandt is uncertain, but Hutton moved to London. It was there on Monday, July 25th of 1943 that Hutton was struck by a newspaper headline and even bigger front page photo. The story was about the British RAF's massive attack on Hamburg. And the photo accompanying the story was exactly what Hutton and Brandt had seen in 1932. Whether Brandt and and Hutton... uh, experienced a time slip into the future, or perhaps had an extremely vivid shared premonition of future events or uh, hysteria somehow, uh, is unknown. What is known is that the bombing of Hamburg or Operation Gomorrah, which some consider to have been a war crime, created a firestorm with temperatures reaching a thousand degrees Celsius and it killed 40,000 people. Wow. Every now and again, testimonies of uh spontaneous uh time travel come to the surface, but this intriguing time slip case is mentioned in the book, quote, the little giant book of eerie thrills and unspeakable chills written by John Macklin, Ron Edwards, and C.B. Colby. And here's the thing: that's the entire story. I couldn't find other the only origin is this book, mm-hmm. and I couldn't find anybody debunking it, and I couldn't find anybody backing it. But
1: well, I mean, um, what how could you?
0: Yeah, I mean, how could you? Right. But it was clearly a significant event in these dudes' lives. Well,
1: that's just to me, that's always like anytime it's more than one person. I get the whole mass hysteria thing, yeah. but to have got experienced this together, like, because if you, like, let's say me and you were sitting next to each other and that happened and like you started to experience this thing and I didn't, I would be like, what are you even talking about? Yeah. What is happening? Yeah, there's no chance. And you'd be like, going to see that bomb and I'd be like, there's no bomb, right. man. Like, But the minute
0: it's a shared experience and you both expect the camera roll to show what you saw. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a pretty legit story. So just because that one was short, I do have a couple other short ones just to add to it okay? Um, of similar events. And then uh, we'll be able to talk about the whole thing. So this one's the one that I think I may have mentioned before. But, you know, I'll just tell you anyway. Air Marshal Sir Robert Victor Goddard was sent to inspect an abandoned airfield in Edinburgh or Edinburgh, I think is how you say it, in 1935. It was dilapidated, of which he made a note, and he got back in the cockpit of his plane and took off. Heavy rain and low visibility prevented him from going too far, so he turned around and headed back to the airfield to wait out the storm. As he approached the landing strip, though, something very strange happened. The clouds cleared, and he saw that the previously abandoned land was now bustling with mechanics in blue jumpsuits. There were four yellow planes on the tarmac, and one of them was a kind that he had never seen before. Keep in mind, this guy was a military pilot. He was, fairly, he was pretty familiar with all the different plane models available at the time. Goddard was obviously extremely confused until about four years later when he was sent back to the airfield. And far from being abandoned, it was now in full use, complete with blue jumpsuited mechanics and yellow planes. And sitting on the runway was a plane he couldn't identify uh in 1934, uh Miles Magister. Um, the Magister was manufactured in 1937, three years after Goddard recalled seeing it. Um so that's the one I think I talked about, right? right.
1: Oh, I don't remember hearing it, but that doesn't mean okay. I didn't.
0: Yeah, so this was, this one's far more backed. Like, this one was reported a lot mm-hmm. um, from different places because it was it was well documented, but mainly the blue jumpsuit yeah. mechanics. mechanics. Um, there was also a, like a uniform change prior to that. So he foresaw that and he foresaw an airplane that wasn't out. That's nuts. Um, And then here's one more. So and this one's kind of funny because it a little bit connects to yours. Um, so in 1901, two professors from St. Hugh's College in Oxford, England, went to visit the place, the Palace of Versailles. Versailles was the French royal home until the monarchy was abolished in 1792. And Marie Antoinette was one of the last royals to live there. She was executed in 1793. So on that day in 1901, when professors Anne Moberly and Eleanor Jourdain were walking the grounds of the palace, it's pretty safe to say they did not expect to see Marie Antoinette in the flesh, just chilling on a stool outside the home, which was a private retreat built for Antoinette by her hubby, King Louis the 16th. So two. Yeah. Two after. And yet there she was uh, sitting and sketching and uh, completely oblivious to the fact that two women were gaping at her and all the other people in 1780s period attire who had appeared just as suddenly as Antoinette Antoinette and everyone else disappeared. When a tour guide approached Moverly and Jourdain. together, they wrote a book, uh, an adventure. It's called an adventure. It was about their experience and the story gained notoriety notoriety because of how grounded it seemed. So, Oh, my sources were, um, pizza uh, Anomalian, like anomaly, but an an Anomalian and uh Shrash to John. Shw Shrash to Jane. <laughs> <laughs> um anyway. Yeah, so this I think goes back to that ghost thing that we were talking about. Like it could be time slips causing ghosts. Right. Right? So it's just that these events were so <laughs> were later confirmed to be the future. Yeah. But like you could easily if, you, if if that dude was like Goddard, right? Let's say he was a passenger on an airplane uh-huh. and not a military pilot. He might think, oh, I'm seeing into the past. Right? right. Same like with Hamburg like that. That's, of course, extraordinary. But I'm just saying like these things are, again, they're. Images that your brain is tapped into that literally a camera can't replicate. Right. Mm-hmm. Um Now, again, one thing that does make a difference is like, you know, the ghost story at the very beginning of the episode. Right. The camera caught it. Right. But still, it's just like, to me, that that is by far more likely of time being weird and having hiccups versus... Like our consciousness sticking around. Like Marie Antoinette sitting on a bench. Like I I don't think Marie Antoinette's soul is sitting on the bench, right? Like maybe it's just more likely it was a time hiccup.
1: That one makes more sense to me that it would be people, be both of them possibly thinking they saw something just because they already know what happened. Like they knew she lived there. Yeah, Yeah. They knew about her, whatever. The other two are more compelling to me because
0: like there, there was no predisposition to see right. this, right? Well, yeah. and also
1: like with the Hamburg one, that one was proven to happen, right? And then with the other one, it was the whole like the the planes and that stuff that was just nuts. Like these things that like oh, and someone also the, the yellow, make.
0: the yellow was also so blue jumpsuits and yellow were both things he reported on that later they turned to. So,
1: right, like you can't really make that up, and like you could make it up, but
0: the likelihood of of
1: you being right is insane
0: yeah well and also what would be the point the point because unlike today where i could go on twitter and like get you know like that dude that did the the fake haunted apartment through quarantine or whatever right like unlike that this dude lost his job over hamburg right right and the military pilot would be probably considered you know like crazy yeah, yeah i mean you need to be mentally sound to do this like it's just and and we talk about this all the time like When you don't stand anything to gain from it.
1: always when it's more impelling. Compelling. compelling. Yeah. Compelling.
0: Exactly. So, um, but yeah, I mean, what do you think about the whole time slip thing?
1: I mean, sure. It could be a thing.
0: The only thing I don't get about it. So let's just live in a world where we know it exists and then ask the question how. (gasps) The only thing I don't get about it is. Like we traverse space so quickly on Earth. That it wouldn't be in the same place. It wouldn't be in the same place. That's the only part that like has always thrown me off about that ability. Like if, if we were truly just rotating in the same mm-hmm. place in space. Right. And then it's like, oh, well, the Earth rotated into that spot again. And it just so happened it was the bombing of Hamburg. Right. Then that would make more sense to me. But it's just like we're we're flying so quickly away from the time that we leave in the past.
1: Well, what about premonitions then? I don't know. I don't know. that makes more sense for that. Obviously, if you were in that place, you would have a premonition that something that that thing happened in that place. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't have an answer for it, of course, because we never do. But it is interesting. It is interesting. Um, and it's hard to deny away.
0: Yeah, that's the thing It's just like these are some of the things where it's just like you can't necessarily just say there's nothing to it. Right. Yeah, right. You know, because that's the thing is even the most compelling stuff like the the. I mean, just the ghost thing we just talked about, like it could be a million things. If these are real again, and we would have to live in a universe where we think that these testimonies are real. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying, but if that was like, let's say it was me and you that experienced that. Right. Right. It would be something. Yeah. Don't know what, but it had to be something.
1: Yeah. Agreed.
0: Um. All right. Oh, and by the way, if I did mention the story, it would be in the Teleported Soldier episode. I'm pretty sure that's what I was thinking. I just, I'm still, I'm not going to go back and listen to it. So, (laughs) Um, all right, y'all have a good week. Yep. Bye.
1: Bye. Ready?
0: Sure. So let's start. <laughs> ah, silence and it's your fault. shut up now. You <laughs> shut up. Silence. Start. Silence and.
1: <laughs> Can we start, please?
0: Africa, f- you.
1: you have so much editing to do tonight.
0: Yeah, I hate this. All right,
1: ready. <laughs>